0: You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening
1: to The Sports Fix.
0: That's right, Tommy's here. Aaron's back. The show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them that we told you to call. Today is for the first time on the podcast, but for, I don't know, the 12th straight year, something like that. Um, Today's mock schedule day, which I've been mocked uh, about for many, many years, but I do a Redskins mock schedule, not a mock draft. That'll come later in the month. This, the NFL schedule should be coming out shortly. Everybody maybe this does week. a
1: mock draft. Who does a mock schedule? Well, I think Kevin I was an Sheehan original. Does, I think yes. I was
0: an original. There are many people that do it now. I don't know if you've noticed in recent years. Really? You, did, are,
1: you didn't manage to uh, uh, trademark
0: it? Didn't, I didn't trademark it. I didn't copyright it. I didn't do any of those things. I didn't file patents on it. That's because
1: you're, you're a generous guy. You like to share your ideas with other people.
0: It, it is funny. It was like three or four years ago, somebody sent me something. It was a St. Louis Rams blogger. And he did a mock schedule, and somebody <laughs> sent it to me, and I wanted to I wanted to call him up and say that's not your idea. But anyway, um, I've got the Redskins' mock schedule. Uh, of course, um, the 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 opponents have been determined. That was determined at the end of the season. But now we put them in order. We give dates. We give game times to it. Who are they opening with? When are the Cowboy games? Are they playing on Thanksgiving Day? Which would be for what a fourth straight year. I'll give you the answer to you that see, one right now. Th- no, this they're is, not.
1: This is important for you to know out there. This way, you can adjust your medication for next fall <laughs> according to the mock schedule.
0: Right, you can start uh, or you can start phoning in those refills yes. right now. Uh, let's start with the national championship game because we've actually got a lot of things to get to. Um, and uh, you and I haven't had a chance, I don't believe, because you were on Thursday and I remember that show quite well. It was a <laughs> it was it was a great show, <laughs> but we haven't we haven't had a chance to do uh, the updated, you know, Josh Rosen Redskins sort of at the top of the list thing. So I want to get your thoughts on that too. So we'll do some Redskins today for sure. Um, what did you think of the game last night?
1: Uh, started off slow. Great second half. Really liked it a lot. Really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, there, there was a lot on social media saying this is a boring game. This is a boring game. And it, not, not at the end. Not at it. the end. No, but in the beginning, it, it, it started out a little bit awkward. Uh, but it, it had a great finish. And the great finish happened as a result, in a way, was when Virginia was finally able to break down Texas Tech's defense. And then they just started, you know, for these two teams, they started a scoring spree.
0: It's one of the great championship games of all time. Yeah, it was. Great. I, I don't want to go crazy because we've seen some, you know, we've had memorable championship games over the years. I mean... You know Georgetown, Villanova, which Andy was on the other night talking about with me. Um, we, you know, the NC State, Houston, the ups, you know, the upsets of, of all time. There was not going to be an upset last night because the point spread was a one-one and a half point number uh, at game time. But this was a great basketball game by what I think turned out to be. I really do believe this in a one-and-done tournament. People will say. You know, I love the, the way people will say about the NCAA tournament, but for some reason not say it about the NFL playoffs. They'll say there's the best team in the country, and then there's the NCAA tournament champion. And, yes, in a one-and-done format, anything can happen, and it doesn't always produce a champion that most people would look at and say that was the best team. Right. Um, In the same way that the NFL playoffs don't always produce listen, a champion listen, that looks like the best team.
1: there's one league. That actually... The NBA. Yes. Generally, year after year, the team that wins the title is usually the team that was the best in basketball.
0: That's got to be true. It's funny because hockey plays best of seven and baseball plays best of seven, but you wouldn't say as definitively as you just did about those two sports what you said about the NBA, nor would I. Um, Why is that? Because we both think hockey is incredibly random. Yeah, and
1: and baseball depends on next day's starting pitcher, especially in the playoffs. Yeah,
0: exactly. So... It was a great basketball game. It did start slowly. Texas Tech didn't score their first basket from the field until seven minutes and 22 seconds were gone. And at that point, you know, it did appear, you know, at the 12 minute mark of the first half that a 48 46 final was in play. Yes, and then all of a sudden, for Texas Tech, you got incredible offense off their bench, Francis in particular, and Virginia started knocking down shots. And it's not that both teams played faster or it became a, a, a an up tempo game, but they became very efficient and they knocked down a lot of shots. you know, both teams did. I mean the 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 two NBA projected you know lottery picks. Culver and Hunter both started very slowly but finished very strong. I mean, Hunter was the star of the game. DeAndre Hunter, who I've knocked during this tournament, and said, I don't see it. Like, I think he should come back. Man, did he go off in the second half. I still honestly don't believe that he's a great next-level player and probably he could help himself, but he probably helped himself a hell of a lot last night. You know,
1: it's funny. I've heard some people talking this morning already driving in about how Hunter maybe looked himself in the in, in the mirror that morning and said I have a chance to be a national champion what I think he did is he looked himself in the mirror and he said I have a chance to make some money <laughs> well that,
0: it, that probably occurs to him or certainly you know his family because his, 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 his
1: narrative in the tournament was not good. Until until last night, second
0: half of the Auburn game, the semifinal, in the second half of last night, DeAndre Hunter, you know, stepped up in a way that we really hadn't seen in the tournament. And I know you UVA people will say, "Oh, he had some really good games," but more times than than not, when I watch DeAndre Hunter, I see an incredible prospect. But I didn't see a really great player all the time. I saw an awkward player uh, at times. He was very good last night. He was and, the and defensive actually, player of the year, he, too. Actually, he,
1: but, was, he was very good all the way around. Played great defense as well.
0: But to me, the star of the game, really, for Virginia is the guy, he's Ty Jerome. Oh, who who yes. really makes the right play almost always. Scott, on on the podcast, um, I don't know, maybe a month ago, said he's Gravis Vasquez. And I'm like, he is. He plays just like Gravis Vasquez for Maryland people. You know, he's got this swagger to him. He's got great vision. He's not super explosive, but he'll knock down a shot or he'll hit a floater or he'll create a play and hit the right guy. Um, and he made the 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 incredible. He made two great passes for yeah. for huge threes. One to guy in the corner, and then the the the, the bucket that tied it um, with DeAndre Hunter off of uh, Jerome's uh, penetration. And by the way, I heard people talking this morning on Get Up, the uh, the the Greeny Show that um, that Texas Tech was in a zone on that final possession of regulation. They were not in a zone in that on that final possession. They had a big guy with his hands up in the air, which may have fooled people for a moment but watch the players they're guarding players and they switched the screen and Jerome went right by the big guy that that got switched off uh, on him and then you know Texas Tech made a big mistake they helped and they shouldn't have helped up three in that spot they should have let Jerome hit the layup there still would have been plenty of time for Virginia to do something down one um, but Jerome made the pass to Hunter off the help and he knocked down the three and there we were. We were tied up.
1: Well, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said about Jerome. And what he did, particularly as, as time was winding down, he kept driving to the basket and breaking down that Texas Tech defense and opening up opportunities on the perimeter like he did uh, w- with the pass to Hunter. He, you're right. He, he, you know what he is and a lot of players aren't? He has a plan when he has the ball. He's just—he has a great. Feel he's got a for great instinct, great feel for the he, game. But but he's got but but the instinct is in that moment when you've got the ball in your oh, hands, yeah. you have an idea what you want to do with it
0: there's just, you know, he's one of those guys, he's not going to wow you with length or size or athleticism, but he's going to just cut you up with high IQ vision, you know, feel. He's a solid ball handler. He'll knock down big shots in a bunch of different ways. Um, I love the way he He ended up with 16, eight and six. And I don't think he had a turnover on the night. I think one turnover. He had one turnover in the game. One turnover in the game. Um, Kyle Guy was sensational, knocking down big shot after big shot. You know, Virginia, who had not played probably their best in the tournament, ended up playing a really good basketball yes, game they last did. night.
1: A good, se- a good, really good second half. Excellent I mean, it really, half. it really was a terrific. I mean, uh, the second half, and you know, just made it just a terrific game. And uh, I don't think that's what people expected. I think people expected a basically, not a bloodbath, but I think you know Texas Tech had this reputation. Look, they're both good defensive teams, but Texas Tech has been criticized for being a bit of uh, too much hands-on, too many hands everywhere. And I think people thought it was kind of going to degenerate into one of those 90s Knicks playoffs games kind of thing, but it didn't do that. The offense opened up eventually
0: it opened up because both teams are highly efficient offensively too and they have been that throughout the year even if they weren't high scoring teams they were efficient offensive teams um there was a stretch when Texas Tech was down in the second half uh what was the biggest lead for Virginia in the second half was it 9 at 60 to 51 did they ever lead by 10 in the game i don't um, think so uh it was 50 to 41 I don't think they ever led by ten, but there was a stretch when they were down fifty to forty-one, where Texas Tech threw some defense on Virginia that was nasty, and Moretti hit a couple of big buckets to get them, back, you know, back into it, um, and and then Mooney, you know, took over the game for yes. uh, for a moment, you know, at the end of regulation and in overtime, and Culver did the same thing. The, I, I'm I'm going to go back because there was a lot to the game at the end that I do want to get into in more detail, but. What I was trying to get to in talking about this one-and-done tournament, which sometimes people say doesn't produce a national champion that was also the best team, I actually think we may have seen the best two teams in the tournament, in hindsight, in the final. In terms of basketball teams, well-coached, balanced, defense, offensive efficiency, these were probably the two best teams in the country that we we i uh, it's it's hard it's it,
1: hard to judge Texas Tech as one of the two best well, teams in the Well they were country.
0: killing people. This was not a team that just got hot. They oh, I crushed know. people I in know. the regular season. I know. They won the regular season title in the Big 12. You know, for Kansas not winning it for the first time ever. You know, this was a team that really um was a very good basketball team. If if you want to say ultimately, I mean, I would have said Michigan St- I mean, on Friday I said any result is going to, I mean, any result is possible. These are four teams, they're super close. All four are capable of winning two games. I still feel that way after the fact. But Virginia and Texas Tech were brilliant last night. It was a great basketball game, and it was marred a little bit, I believe, in yes. overtime.
1: Yes, it was. Um,
0: and, and I want to get to that, um, you know, because we've already talked about the, the end of regulation. I, I, I'm, I've never been super passionate, one way or the other, about replay. You know, most of the time we discuss it, we talk about it with respect to the NFL. Right. And I I don't necessarily love what's going to happen with the ability to, you know, uh, challenge P.I. calls, offensive, defensive, called or non-called. I think that's going to turn out to be a disaster. It's going to turn out to be much more of a logistical challenge and... I think it's going to end up being, ha- producing a result that people aren't really happy with and that maybe it'll be short-lived. But I'm not so up in arms about it that I'm not going to watch football anymore. They, that never happens with football. But with basketball, the play with Moretti and Hunter on the, the ball that Moretti chased down and got to with a minute six to go in overtime in a two-point game, crucial call. You know, DeAndre Hunter knocks that ball out of bounds. And at, on any level of basketball if if any of you have ever played one on one two on two three on three five on five you know organized not organized that ball's out on Virginia yeah. yes it's out on Virginia you continue to play it got knocked out off of virginia no one
1: no one's even arguing that on who has the if if you had the ball and you got it knocked out like that you're not even argue <sighs> you're walking away thinking what an idiot I am for not protecting the ball
0: exactly. I just have gotten to the point in college basketball and in the NBA, but in college basketball this year, we saw it a lot. I don't want that much replay in the game. I don't want three and four and five minute delays. I think that there should be, I know that this is not necessarily an easy answer. It's always more difficult than it seems, but why can't they have a time limit? Like you got 60 seconds to see something outrageously obvious and egregious. And if you don't see it, we're going right back to the floor and playing what was called on the floor, because that took three to four minutes. And we're now into whether or not the hairs on the back of a hand, you know, grazed a basketball. And, and by the way, in on, from my perspective, I didn't think that that was without dispute. I, I didn't think that that was undisputable. Uh, Did you? I mean, I thought it was pretty close. And the fact that they were looking at it for that long, it looked like it touched Moretti's fingertip or fingernail there at the end. You know, it looked like it, but I wasn't completely sure. If you forced me to bet on it, I would say, uh, yeah, it was probably out on Moretti after looking at it for five minutes from 17 different angles. But with a minute six to go in overtime on a play like that, I'm sorry. We shouldn't have the referees over at the scores table. I would also immediately say under a minute. We're not doing under two minutes anymore. It's under a minute that we can can use replay on something like this. I
1: I agree. Look, I'm a big proponent of replay because I grew up in the era of no replay, and people forget the damage that was done by missed calls because of obvious miss, obvious miss calls, particularly in football games, when there was no replay, that and, added
0: to the lore of the NFL. Yeah, by the way, well,
1: yeah, but it also cost people, and I don't mean just b- people betting; I mean people's careers, people's jobs. It co- wound up costing people. So, if you want to I think you want to get it blatantly right. You don't want to get it blatantly wrong, and that's where we veered from this. And I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how you solve it other than designate a, a a an official at every game and give him the discretion to say what's blatant and what's not. I mean, basically, what what's reviewable and what's not, and just hope for common sense. I mean, because that's not a call that should have been reviewable.
0: I don't think so. And I, you know, I know that people say, "Well, they ended up getting it right." You know, you may think they got it right. I, I didn't think it was clear. And you know, undisputed video evidence. I mean, I, again, I would have leaned towards it touched Moretti, but that's not the kind of play that why, that replay if, was created for. If they
1: got it right, why did it feel so wrong? Because it took so long. But and it because, ju- but it just felt wrong. It felt it 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 didn't feel like the right call, even if it was the right call. That's right. You
0: know, the double dribble call in the semifinal game, and I talked about this yesterday. Um was clearly a double dribble, but there was also clearly an attempt to foul, and there was a foul before the double dribble, yeah, there was you know we've seen in recent years that replay used in the final two minutes on a play that goes out of bounds and they you know it's 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 this play from last night we got to go check to see whose possession it is, and a lot of times a referee will you know, basically say, I'm not going to call that as a foul because it's, you know, it, it was a foul, but it wasn't an egregious foul. I'm going to give the ball to the offense and let them continue to have possession. But now in recent years, replay has gone back and then given the ball to the defensive team. And the referee's like, shit, I should have called the foul. Yeah. Because it really was an unfair result. Just like if they had gone to replay the other night and overturned the, uh, and actually called double dribble on Virginia it would have been unfair because they Auburn fouled. They grabbed Jerome's know, jersey before right. yeah. and in an attempt, by the way, because they had a foul to give. They were trying to foul, and the referee didn't blow the whistle on that particular one. He did after the double dribble when they finally got it with 1.5 seconds left. And on that particular play, there wasn't necessarily a foul. Guy was reaching from behind, but there really wasn't a foul there. But you asked why did did it feel so wrong two reasons one is because that's the kind of play we all said yeah that's off yeah that's off virginia it's clearly off virginia give the ball to texas tech if it grazed the hair on the back of his hand on the way out uh, or a fingernail. I, I don't, not, we never knew before, and I don't need to know now. And then beyond that, you've got a dramatic basketball game that's 75 73 in overtime, and you're going to go to the scorers' table, and we're going to sit there for three, four, five minutes. Because why? Because it's really difficult to tell until you've looked at like how many angles they had. And I think you got to know within 60 seconds. You go over there, if it's clear and obvious that you blew the call and you don't need 17 angles to determine that, let's move on. Now, maybe under a minute we can give more time. I, I, but a minute six, two minutes to go, minute 58, you still got multiple possessions left in the game. I, I, I It didn't feel right watching in the no, moment. No, it didn't. Took and some steam out of it and in again, that moment. I'm,
1: I'm a big fan of, of replay, and, and, and here's the thing, too. Once the technology is out, you can't put it back in a bottle. I mean, they tried that once in the NFL. They had replay, they got rid of it, and then they brought it back. So it's not going away. So, oh, I think it can be tweaked a little bit. But no, I think what what you need to do is come up come up with better ways to use it. But it's not going away. Oh, I don't
0: want it to go away.
1: I know, but there's people who, who are absolutists. They, well, uh, they say, you know... <laughs> There, you know, this is this is the this is replay, and this is why you shouldn't have it. I mean, you know, that's that's like, I mean, you can't change the world, and 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 you're going to have, you can't not have replay when the television network is running ten different shots. I know. of the play that you got wrong.
0: So last night. If they had just said, we're not going to look at this, it's out on Hunter, and after the game we'd come back and they're showing the 17 angles and you see that it may have touched Moretti's fingernail on the way out of bounds, would there have been outrage?
1: I don't think there would have been on that call. I could totally, I mean... Well, you see, here's what we don't know. What if Texas Tech had won? Well, they would have had a better
0: chance to win had they kept possession <laughs> yeah. of the game Yeah, because they never got the ball back again down one possession. Yeah, so because what? I Virginia mean, there might not two have been free... any
1: outrage because Texas Tech might have won.
0: Yeah, uh, it was a great championship game. Um, I, to me, that's not the use of replay that I want. I know it's a subjective thing. Um, I think there, there there was a lot of debate last night. Afterwards, I, I I heard a lot of discussion of it. It's really it's a it's a personal thing to me. It disrupted the game. It made the game uncomfortable in the moment. And it was a great basketball game. And I don't want to see that play get replayed. If um, you
1: played basketball, you know what the right call was. There
0: isn't. There's no chance that anybody that's ever played the the most minimal of basketball would have ever said, oh, wait a minute, hold on. (laughs) Uh, That went off your hand at the end. Nobody would. Actually, there are a lot of dudes that argue every call, you know. And that, and by the way, that sucks when you're playing pickup and there's that one guy that wants to debate every call and Is picks you? up the ball and walks. Never me, okay. Never me. I I just want to get the game. I just want to play. You just want to shoot. At this point, I just want. I just want a cardio workout. At this point, oh, well, you just want to pump it up, baby. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of things. It was a great game, Virginia. You know, we mentioned the, the key key moments of the game. Um, you know, I, I had this thought after the game about Virginia. Virginia has become, and Aaron, I want you to participate in this conversation because we're going to think about the last other great team in the ACC that wasn't Duke and Carolina. And that was Maryland. Maryland was the third winningest program in the history of the ACC. I think they still are behind Duke and North Carolina, but they were never Duke and North Carolina. You know who's Duke and North Carolina now? Virginia is. Virginia has raised with this championship they have raised their basketball profile to elite and in the same company of duke and north carolina and look perception wise no but reality yes they have won four regular season titles in the last 6 years four acc regular season titles in the last 6 years more than duke or, or carolina they have had four 30 win plus seasons in the last six years. They've got a winning... Tony Bennett has a winning record against every ACC team, with the exception of Duke, but he's got a winning record now against North Carolina overall. Um, And Virginia has a national championship. Virginia has taken this program, Tony Bennett has, to a level that Maryland was never at. Even when Gary went to a Final Four and won a national championship and was going to Sweet 16s every year and was ranked in the top 10, top 15 a lot... Virginia's ranked in the top five every year. Yes. All right. Maryland was always somewhere between 17 and seven, you know, except for the national championship year. You know, they were in the top five all year, top three all year. Virginia is a constant in the top five in college basketball now. They are a constant. They've, as the ACC regular season champion, they now have an NCAA title to go with it. They needed this. They needed last night because Carolina won it in 2017 and Duke won it in 2015. It's not a perception thing, but it is a reality thing that Virginia in terms of results is Duke and North Carolina
1: right now. You know, I I think you're right. Uh, Would you have enjoyed this more if Maryland was still in the ACC? Would it mean anything more to you? For whatever reason, and I've mentioned this before,
0: by the way, one other quick thought I'm going to answer that question is that Tony Bennett's only 49 years old. So this is going to continue. He's not leaving. They love Charlottesville, everything you read. And Virginia, why would he leave Charlottesville? You You wouldn't. To go coach UCLA? Virginia, for many years, and you may or may not remember me saying this, I always said that Virginia's the sleeping giant in the ACC. I have no idea why they're not better. I always felt like their tradition, the school, Charlottesville is actually a beautiful place to be. Um, I just felt it was in the ACC. I just felt like were, they went through that stretch of Gillen and all the different coaches of Leto. It, it, it was a bad program. It wasn't very good. It was it was in the bottom you know third of the ACC for many years, and Tony Bennett's lifted it to this elite program. Yeah. Um, how would I feel? I think I I probably would have been rooting for Virginia last night. You probably night.
1: would have had a little bit more a little bit of pride in that win, right? I
0: actually found out this morning that I won a pool that I was in because Virginia won. Now, I'm I probably won right our now. pool because I oh, yeah. I was the only one with Virginia winning the national championship. Yes. But I somebody sent me a note saying, "Hey, uh, we owe you X amount." <laughs> No That's the best I- the kind way, of money, isn't I it? I had no idea. Isn't
1: that the best it's kind the best. of money?
0: Newfound. New yes. I had no idea. In fact, I pretty much thought I was out of it when Michigan State lost, because in every pool I did, I did have Virginia beating Michigan State in the final. Is that the one I had with yes. the, you guys? Yes. Right. So um I probably would have rooted for Virginia, because I, for whatever reason, and I think a lot of, you have to to, to have been a diehard ACC basketball fan for one of the schools, because I've had this conversation with friends of mine who are Carolina fans, or UVA fans, or even Duke fans, um, that, you know, there was a certain pride you took in being in that league. Yeah. You know, and you wanted the league to show well in the tournament. And, uh, but, I don't know, last night at the very end of regulation, I was thinking, ah. Wouldn't mind if Texas Tech won.
2: Really, at the very end, I, I you know. What did you, you think? I was going to say, just as a Maryland fan, I don't want to see Virginia win. You know, as good as they are, as good as, and here is what I want to say about what you were saying about you know the program being on the same. Absolutely, result wise, they are. But I think the perception thing is big. I think that what this shows is that if Tony Bennett's not a top five right now. He's number six with a bullet. Because if you want to say Kay, Roy, Self, Izzo, and Calipari are the top five, you can't crack that right now. Tony Bennett is right there at number six at worst.
0: Uh, You know, from a perception standpoint, on on the coaching thing, I think think Bennett would be in my top five. Um, But on, on the perception thing... The blue blood conversation, I think, and we're going to talk about the UCLA job here in a moment, but the blue blood conversation to me is still from a perception standpoint Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. Those are the four. You know, then you have whatever the next level is. Virginia is now at the, pretty much at the top of that level or pretty close, maybe not perception wise, but they're in the next group now. I, they're in the, and they're in the next group with Michigan State with uh you know we we got I got to go p- pull up a, a a list Villanova if you want to say Villanova's in that next group Michigan's probably in that next group um you know uh Louisville you know might be in the next group I don't know, but they're in that next group now. Yeah. Virginia is, but I'm just saying results-wise, yeah. Virginia is now the dominant results yes. program in the ACC,
2: and that could be problematic for Maryland when it comes to recruiting. Like this, I think this is going to be huge for Virginia. They've never, you know, as good as Bennett is, they've never recruited all that well, yet, and yet they've got some really they, good they, NBA got prospects some, they've got right some now. Some good players. And look at Malcolm
0: Brogdon, and I know he wasn't a great prospect necessarily, but he's in the NBA. You're starting to see that
2: that Bennett's producing NBA players. And that's without a national title. Now that they have a national title, that could be problematic for Maryland in, you know, recruiting this region. I still also think, and
0: what we learned last night, is for those that think that, you know, the Virginia style, you can't win a title, I I mean I, I did feel that a team like Virginia, and I don't think this will ever change, they're always going to be vulnerable. Um, playing the way they do most of the time. They're always going to be vulnerable to losing in a one and done deal and being out early. I mean, it was just a year ago they lost to a sixteen yes. seed. Um, so but there's they this was a really good Virginia team with really three guys that could be in the NBA on their team. Oh yeah. In in Jerome, Guy, and Hunter. Absolutely. Uh so I don't know. I I I, uh, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a great game. The replay thing drove me nuts at the end. Virginia's turned into a monster program here. You know th- who are they going to lose? Uh, they're going to lose Jerome and Hunter, right? Yeah. Jer- Jerome's going to go. I assume so. Guy shouldn't go. He's got a year left, right? Yes. I, I'm right about that, right? I think he does. Uh, let's check that just to be sure. I don't know why. I thought Guy was a junior. He is a junior right and and Jerome is as well right so but i've i've been hearing that Jerome is going to go
1: and i don't know what that means is he, is he he's a, a first round pick he's close but you know the, he might be a later first round pick but he's a first round pick
0: yeah i i guess so i think so i, I mean it just depends on who's coming out anyway um, it was a, it was a great win. And Virginia is a program is a monster program real quickly. Cause I do want to just, since we're still in this college basketball mode, mention two things. Number one, the all too early, you know, next year's rankings are out. Um, ESPN did their, you know, way too early top 25, which they do the morning after or the late night after the national championship game. And Maryland's number nine preseason i i knew they were going to come back as somewhere in the neighborhood of, of around 15 as long as sticks came back and yesterday the news was that jalen smith jalen stick smith is coming back right he's not even going to test the waters um which i'm surprised that you
1: are too i, I, think, so that's I. I think that's a mistake i mean a- i i mean i i think i think that's surprising i mean what, what what did he have to lose but i mean it's not like he's you know it's not like he's going to stay there for four years it's not like oh, well, i want to get my education you know, so that's not going to happen. I think what's so so is this with, with, with uh, Fernando coming back um, or not? So
0: here's it says the Turps received a big boost when Jalen Stick Smith announced that he was returning his sophomore season. Now they wait to see on Bruno Fernando. Had both bigs left, Mark Turgeon's group probably drops out of the top 25. With Smith back, though, the Turps are going to be a factor in the Big Ten. Anthony Cowan at point, Marcel Ayala, Wiggins. Um, Turgeon brings in some reinforcements up front. So it doesn't really say um, specifically no. when they, when they, when Fernando goes, and by the way, I'm hearing some things that it's not a lock that Fernando goes. He's got a little gravest in him where he really likes He apparently basketball. just loves Maryland. Yeah. Good for him. And by the way, you know, Sticks is going to benefit significantly because he has the kind of skill that when he gets stronger and if he blows up next year, he he's a top 10 pick potentially. Yeah. And this year he was not going to be that. Um, Bruno Fernando, you know, you he could hurt himself coming back, potentially. But if he comes back, Maryland would probably even climb from number nine. They might be preseason top five. Without him, they might drop to, you know, that 12 to 15 range. Yeah. So this news... By the way, did, are we? do they have a schedule? Are there, is Turgeon going to schedule better next year? <laughs> What, I, uh, what
2: makes you believe that? I saw happen?
0: the Maui lineup. Maryland's not going to Maui again. No, they're, go,
2: they're going to Atlant- – it's either Atlantis or Orlando, I believe. Okay,
0: well, Atlantis at least usually or, is a good field. It, we haven't been to Atlantis.
2: It's, it, they're in one of the – not like the top-tier ones, but one of the decent ones. Are you going to
0: tell me that in the eight years of Turgeon's era that Maryland hasn't been invited to Maui once? That seems impossible to me.
2: Yeah. I <sighs> I mean –
0: I don't know why they, they I either haven't Either not gone. been
2: invited or not accepted the invitation. I think it's the latter, personally, the way, ESPN, but I don't know for sure. ESPN is not the only one that has them high. Uh Stern from 24-7 Sports uh, like compiled all of it. Number 9 in ESPN, number 9 in NBC Sports, number 11 in Sports Illustrated. John Rothstein has them at number 11, and uh, SB Nation has them at 17. Didn't
1: any of them see their first-round exit in the, in the tournament?
2: Second-round exit. Second-round exit, yeah. I
0: mean. Yeah, they lost to LSU with That's the right. buzzer. Basically, Didn't
1: it, did anyone see, did anyone see this team play?
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. I, look, they they had. I mean, again, if you're watching them during the year, like Aaron and I do every single night, this was a team with a lot of talent. Yes. They have they they and it was That y- did not finish well. And it was young and it was the fourth youngest team in the country as we got reminded, you know, about <laughs> know. every single game. Yeah. So all of these people coming back with the exception of Bruno. I knew and and the thing is Tommy, um they got some players that were freshmen last year in Ayala and Smith and Wiggins that have a chance to really make a big leap next year and then I think Marcel makes a big jump. Um, and I'm a Cowan fan. A lot of Maryland fans are not. Um, I still think Anthony Cowan can play, and he'll be a senior. You know, he's been through the wars. But they, they should be, going into next year, they should be in that top 15 range and a pick to finish in the top three in the Big Ten. How many Big but, Ten teams are, uh, are ranked in front of them? Michigan uh, State's one. Well, I ESPN bet you Ohio fan.
1: State's one of them.
0: Ohio State should be ranked high. They, yeah. Michigan uh, is seven. Yeah, Mi- Michigan's Ohio high. State's ten behind Maryland. So four in the top ten from the Big Ten.
2: By the way, I looked up that preseason tournament. It is the uh, Orlando Invitational. It's going to include Temple, Texas A&M, USC, Marquette, Harvard, Davidson, and Fairfield. Ah, Big deal. Uh, Marquette could be a good win if they face that.
0: Atlantis, I bet, will have a better field. I'm sure. Um, Yeah, I mean,
2: oh, it was... uh, it was yes, yeah. I mean, Atlantis is Alabama, Gonzaga, Iowa State, Michigan, yeah. North Carolina, Oregon, Saint Hall, Southern Miss. By the That's way, te-
0: Maryland should be. By the way, Texas Tech is not even ranked preseason in the ESPN. Well, because, because I, know, oh, I know. they've got all these players leaving, right. and, Chris, and, Beard and, Beard might and leave. Chris Beard might leave.
1: <clears throat> I mean, that was like a patched together team.
0: One other quick college basketball conversation I wanted to have with you because you have a sense of the history of the sport. Rick Barnes turned down the UCLA. He's the latest to turn down the UCLA job. Now, maybe Chris Beard leaves Texas Tech and goes to UCLA, but the UCLA job has become irrelevant. Irrelevant. UCLA used to be one of the blue bloods oh, yeah. in the sport. Yeah. And the sport itself in recent years has seen a lot of coaches choose to stay. Remember, Shaka Smart stayed at VCU multiple times before finally leaving to go to Texas. The guy owed him at UMBC last year, turned down jobs, Yeah, you know, to stay at UMBC. Um, you know, the, and by the way, this a quick caution, this is why I will. And I do this with my Maryland friends, caution them on occasion, be careful of what you wish for, because, you know, UCLA is open and nobody seems to want it. Now there, there are differences like the PAC 12 is not, attractive and the big 10 is very attractive um and the west coast has had a lot of recruiting issues with the aau programs out there i've read a lot about that over the last year about how the aau programs in in southern california in particular are more corrupt than even the east coast programs and a lot of those players are coming out of there as big names remember stanley johnson and all of the different you know la guys and they haven't amounted to much but how about the ucla job tommy that they can't give it away at this point.
1: It mean, really is re- it's remarkable. It's it's like a small community college on the west coast. It really is. It's like it's like uh, University of California, Luis Bispo Or something like that now.
0: That would be... I'm very familiar... San Luis I'm very uh, familiar with Cal Slow versus Cal Fullerton and some of the others. I've I've had had all of them at various times over the years.
1: But that's what it's turned into. It's just turned into part of that program. And instead of being this crown jewel that it was when we were growing up. Oh my god. It was
0: it was the cra- I mean it was a top 5 program and job yeah. when it became available. Now Earl Watson apparently, you know, a lot of UCLA people want him but he does he never he hasn't graduated yet. But right. he's on he's in the process of getting his degree. Personally, I think they should let him coach the team and get his degree in the process. W- w- why? I mean, who cares at this point? It is a college Kevin. i know it, it's a college but if he's working towards his degree as he's coaching the team he's not uh, uh, whatever Kevin, uh, we, we,
1: it's a college <laughs> you should have a college graduate as, as as an instructor you really have to have that might be a great basketball coach you don't have
0: to have a college degree to be a great basketball coach do you no
1: you don't okay but you're not just a great basketball coach i understand that you're working for a university okay Fair enough.
0: I, I I just think if he's working towards his degree and apparently getting close, that they should just hire Earl Watson, who I think would actually be a a, a decent coach. Now Beard might take the job. Um, you know the other thing about UCLA—if you ever watch their games, they have no fans. Yeah, there's there's no fan base for that program anymore. It's a pro town.
1: We know yeah. one. We know one fan. <laughs>
2: Doc Walker, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, of course.
1: We know the Doc. Doc, yeah. Doc is the, the there for them.
2: Bill, Wal- Bill Walton and here's, Doc. <laughs> here's the problem, though, with the UCLA job. If you're one of these coaches who has a pretty stable job where you are, Steve Alford just went to three Sweet Sixteens in five years, and he got fired and run out of town, and they hated him. If that's the standard that you have to, you know, if you have to do better than that, if you have to get to a Final Four in your first four years, or you're out of there. Why are you leaving a stable job? That's a job? good
0: point.
1: That's a really good point.
0: I think that's the case in a lot of the coaches staying where they are. I mean, Rick Barnes is staying at Tennessee. Yeah. All right? Now, Rick Barnes has has always preferred football first schools. You know, it it was Clemson, Texas, yeah. and now and now Tennessee. It's it you know Gary has mentioned to me before, but Barnes is the brilliant one out of all of us. He's <laughs> gone to the places that can pay big, but there's no pressure to win. And then and then he's won. Look, look yeah. what he did at Texas. I know, and it wasn't good enough, but um. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point about Alford. I mean, they had some good teams. Yeah. But, you know, they also really don't – there's not a passion for UCLA basketball in L.A. There is a passion for USC football in L.A. I could be wrong about this, but I think we've had this conversation with, with but you know what, West I Coast bet, people before but, L.A. But, people.
1: But but as we've seen here, that passion can change. That passion can diminish. Yeah, And USC is in danger of that. I know, but – Yes. Yeah. I mean, it can change. What, 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 what we, what we, we, you can't just count on it, especially in a competitive market. Before the Rams got there, uh, and now they have two football The Chargers, teams
0: <laughs> I think a lot of LA people would tell you that the Lakers were one and USC football was two. And then after that, it was a free for all, including the Dodgers that when USC was competing for national championships over that stretch, right? you know, here in the two thousands that that I mean, was, Dodgers that was the order for
1: 4 million fans. A, uh, a, I know. A year. I know. Okay.
0: Um, all right. Uh, I'll get to my mock schedule here. This shortly. is the big moment. I'll get to it here shortly. And I also want to talk about Aaron Rogers and get your thoughts on, you know, Rosen or your latest thoughts on Rosen's on, on Josh Rosen. A uh, quick word, however, on window nation. It's Window Nation's annual spring cleaning sales event. Are your windows having issues? Cracks? Are they hard to open? Is there unusual moisture? Or are you just window shopping? If you are and you're thinking about windows, please call Window Nation today and schedule a free in-home estimate. There's no risk. You get a free in-home estimate with a price and a price quote that's valid for 60 days. Window is going to save you 33% off your entire purchase. Window, siding, and doors. Get upfront pricing and no hidden terms, just 33% off every style of window, house of siding, and all doors, including labor. Plus for the next two weeks, save even more with 0% interest for five full years on your entire purchase. That 0% interest until 2024. Get a jump on your spring cleanup and call Window Nation where every window is installed by factory-trained professionals and guaranteed to be done right the first time. Every window is backed by a company with an A-plus Better Business Bureau ranking and over 10,000 positive online reviews. These are the many reasons Window Nation has installed over 475,000 windows in more than 80,000 homes including mine. I've mentioned this many times. Harley, Aaron, Eric, they're all they become good friends over the last decade. Harley in particular talk to them all the time and they will take good care of you and there's no risk to call them at 86690nation or go to windownation.com and ask for a free in-home estimate. Hurry! These off-season savings aren't going to last long. It's eight six six ninety Nation or windownation.com. All right, let's get to the mock schedule. You Don't, ready for? Do we it? have
1: any kind of music to? No, there's we can't. No. That's right, we can't. There's no music there no, I We, mean, there should we some, have music. There, there should be some, Aaron something. Aaron can play
0: a bed. You want a bed? There should be this? something leading up to this. Yeah, we, Aaron can play a bed, but we, we never had an open fort in. Oh, I think we did. We did?
1: I think we had Pomp and Circumstance <laughs> and, and Dancing Girls <laughs> and, a, and a live marching band in the studio once. I don't think we did. Remember do. when we had that live oh, band I in the do, studio? I do remember. Yeah, this was a big deal. I don't think you should downplay
0: it. All right. Uh, mock schedule. Redskins 2019. <laughs> What is that?
1: I don't know. I, I pulled I up award music. I, I do
0: She sounded I, pleasant. <laughs> I don't know. It
1: sounded like the kind of music you have when you're trying to get All to right, sleep at night. No, no
0: music. <laughs> um... What what kind of music do you play to go to bed at night? Do you I have, don't I don't
1: play any music. Do you
0: ever do like you know the ocean sounds no, or anything I don't. like that? I don't do oh, that. I've done that
1: before. Really? Yeah, it's helpful actually. That's All good. right, That's um, nice. Let me give
0: you overall what the Redskins CMI. have uh, in terms of their opponents. Of course, they have their division opponents: the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles, home and away. They also play the NFC North this year that's not going to be easy on paper green bay chicago minnesota right and detroit uh, they play the afc east which includes new england and maybe a, a very improved jets team um, also the bills and the dolphins who should be way down uh, this year. And then the two opponents, and a lot of people don't under, understand how this works, every NFC East team plays the same schedule with the exception of two games out of the 16. And that is where you match up with the other divisions in the NFC, and you play the team that finished in the same place that you finished in last year. For the Redskins, the, the, the whole division is playing the NFC North, but then in the NFC South and the NFC West, the NFC South opponent will be Carolina. For them, and the NFC West opponent will be San Francisco. All right, there is an emphasis this year in this hundredth year of the NFL, uh, celebrating a hundred years right. of being a league. They have told us that the schedule will emphasize some national television rivalry games. Um so I've I've used that as a way to get the redskins into some national television appearances. By the way, every team uh and this goes back I think 3 years now, every team is guaranteed a Thursday night game as part of the Thursday night package, really for competitive reasons so that a team that everybody has to face that short right week. that
1: short work week. Um, now you you, you, you know so much about this scheduling. I'm already blown away by your knowledge. Well, you, you, it's pretty remarkable. But, you know, when you talk about this 100th year celebration at the that the league wants to do with rivalries, people don't really think about this that much because the first one that would come to mind with the Redskins is the Cowboys. Right. But that's only 50 years old. I mean, if we're going back to old school beginning right. of the NFL – it's Redskins-Giants who played each other in the first NFL championship game the Redskins ever played in 1937. I mean, that's that's the old-school rivalry. The Redskins and the, and the Giants played each other for 30 years before the Cowboys were relevant.
0: Right. So I'm just so putting you- that out. Uh, okay, I mean, I, I in in your
1: scheduling, I'm just, I, I think I just I, threw let me a monkey do, wrench in. Well, it I'm there.
0: just going to tell you that that's great. That in the 1930s, the Giants, well, in but, the 40s, but, the Giants and the Redskins were top rivals. But they're
1: celebrating the hundredth anniversary I, I of the Redskins, that. so but, they're going back old school.
0: Okay, well. I did not put a Redskins Giants game in primetime. Well, time. I just, just, I'm just pointing <laughs> yeah, out your I mistake. Even, I even even mentioned the first game, <laughs> and he's already got a problem with it. Um, all right, so one of the other thoughts I gave to this schedule is I, I think the Redskins, with their over under number of being six, uh, you know, basically the, you know p- predicted to finish. You know, near the bottom of, yes. of, the, of the NFC, that they're not going to end up with as many national television games as they've had in, in recent years. In fact, I only have them for two. That would be the least amount they've had in many, many years. I've got a Thursday night game for them. I've got a Monday night game for them. Um, last year, I only got really one game right. I actually predicted that they would play Tennessee on a Saturday in the second to last week of the season. <laughs> and I remember Cooley when the schedule came out and he said – how did you know they were going to play Tennessee on a Saturday? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It was just a guess. Um, anyway, this, is, this whole thing is a major guess. And more times than not, I get none right. I think maybe I've gotten two right. Oh, at, you've gotten most, two right before. And I've gotten a lot within a week of each other. And, and the thought process usually involves thinking at the, about the beginning of the season, the opener. The Redskins played a home opener in 2015, 16, and 17. All right, and therefore I predicted last year that they would open up on the road because they had had three straight seasons of opening up at home. And in you fact, were right. in, in fact in two of those three seasons they had two home games to start the season. So I predicted last year that they would open up on the road. I actually think because they haven't opened up on the road a lot, you know, until last year, I think they're going to
1: open up on the road again. Let me just point out before before you go on I don't think you give yourself enough credit. When you said that you've gotten two right in the past, I think what you need, the way you need to put it is the NFL got 14 wrong.
0: That's even better. You're okay. very kind. Um, all right, let me get to the schedule. All right, The season will open up on Thursday night football with the Packers and the, uh, Bears, the Bears, not the defending Super Bowl champions. On Thursday night, I think it's September 5th. The first Sunday of the NFL season is September 8th. Uh I've got the Redskins in a rivalry game opening up in a Fox 425, you know, national window against the New York Giants in the Meadowlands. These are the two lesser of the NFC East teams yes. this year. The Cowboys will be in a primetime spot. They'll probably now the pa- they could be in that game against the Patriots on Sunday night. Um Although I think they play the Patriots at home. Uh, Aaron and I have already pre- predicted Browns-Patriots in that Sunday night. Cowboys might be one of the first two Monday night games against the Eagles. That's a possibility. Or the Cowboys-Eagles might be a four twenty five game. game. Um, but Fox typically has three or four... You know, marquee-branded markets, big market teams in that opening 425 slot on opening day. I got the Redskins at the Giants in the Meadowlands in the opener, 425 p.m. on Sunday, September 8th. Their home opener comes in week two against the Detroit Lions. All right, you got a, an opportunity here to start fast. The Giants aren't supposed to be that That's good. Right. Detroit's not supposed to be that good. I've got them uh, against the Lions at home in a one o'clock game uh, on Fox in Week Two. Week Three, the New England Patriots come to town, so we get the New England game early in the season at home. Week Three, one o'clock game on CBS. All right, uh, New England, Washington, Week Three uh the patriots are in town then the redskins get their first national television game and it's a short turnaround from playing the patriots september 26th at philadelphia on a thursday night all right so that's a thursday night game week 4 for them at the eagles uh, and that completes September, by the way. And I, I've done this every year as I'm going through this. I'm reminding everybody this is not their actual schedule.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so do, don't start dialing the phone, making you making your travel plans. When, yet.
0: We, when we would do this live, I, you know, people would be you know, tweeting or whatever, saying their skin schedule is out. <laughs> no, this is the mock schedule for the Redskins. So September at the Giants to open, Detroit at home week two, the Patriots at home week three, at Philadelphia on a Thursday night in week four. Week five, Sunday, October 6th, one o'clock on Fox, the Bears come to town for a game. And then the weekend of October thirteenth, you can make plans now. That's the bye week, All right. <laughs> you don't have to schedule any. You, you can schedule any travel for the weekend of, of October thirteenth. That's going to be the Redskins' bye week in twenty nineteen. I think
1: I think you're a little bit early on the bye week.
0: Off the bye week, I had the bye week uh, correct last year too. I think I had it very early, and it was early last year. Um, off the bye week, they will wait until Monday night and they will play the Cowboys at home on a Monday night, October 21st. So the Cowboys and the Eagles, the two national television games, um, the Cowboys at home on Monday night, October 21st. Then you get an intriguing matchup on October twenty seventh. Short week. Redskins at Minnesota to face Kirk Cousins <laughs> and the Vikings. And I got that game as actually a four twenty-five game, late afternoon slot, Redskins at Vikings. I know some some of you will say nobody cares about that. Uh it's just it's it's a late October NFC matchup, Skins, Cousins, four twenty five yeah, at Minnesota. Be, it
1: will be a popular storyline.
0: Uh, November 3rd, at Buffalo, 1 o'clock uh, on on Fox. Uh, November 10th, back home against the 49ers at 1 o'clock. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan back in town. A week later, at Carolina for a Sunday 1 o'clock game. And then the weekend before Thanksgiving, the Giants' second game at home 1 o'clock game on Fox. So that gets us through November. Um, you got five games in December um your november basically uh it, your 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 november included you know buffalo san francisco carolina the giants it's a nice little stretch of potentially if you're a competitive team you got a chance maybe The way it would look on paper going in. Uh, December opens up at Lambeau on December 1st. uh, A 1 o'clock game. And by the way, you'll see the NFL schedule, unless you're playing a West Coast uh, team. Once you get to these December games, they're all listed as 1 o'clock because they're all potentially flexed games to a different time or to Sunday night. Uh, uh, December 1st at Green Bay. December 8th at Miami. 1 o'clock game as well. Um, December 15th, they are home to Philadelphia, uh, a one o'clock game, December 22nd. They are home against the New York jets. By the way, that's the one I feel like I'm going to get right. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me why, but I got a weird feeling that they're going to schedule. I, I gave you Philadelphia and the jets as home games late. Why? Because the jets could be very improved. They could be much improved this year. Philadelphia could be a contender and they're going to look at the Redskins, and they're going to say, "How are we going to get some people into that stadium in December? We got to make it a short trip for Philadelphia and New York fans to come down here." I, I, for whatever reason, the Jet game stuck to me that that's a a Week 16, you know, second to last week of the season game. Jets at home, and then they will finish on December 29th in Dallas against the Cowboys to finish up this season. Um, You want me to go through that again? Yeah,
1: run them through them again. (laughs) All right,
0: the opener at New York against the Giants in the Meadowlands. Week two, the Lions at home, 1 o'clock game. Week three, the Patriots at home, 1 o'clock game. Week four, September 26th, short week, Thursday night game at Philadelphia. Week five, Chicago at home, 1 o'clock game. Week six is their bye week. All right, week seven, October 21st, Dallas on a Monday night at home the 27th at minnesota november 3rd at buffalo november 10th home against san francisco november 17th at carolina november 24th the giants at home and then december's december 1st at green bay december 8th at miami december 15th philly at home December 26th, the Jets at home. I'm sorry, December 22nd, the Jets at home. And December 29th, the season finale at Dallas. I will post this on Twitter and we'll put it on the website as well. So there you go. That's you, you the 2019 got... Redskins scheduled. Please do not plan accordingly.
1: I got a feeling. That you're going to set a record for the most ones you ever get right this year. It would, I can tie the
0: record with two right. right.
1: I, think. I, I think. I think you're going to set a record. I think you're going. <laughs> I to I think have you have said three. that
0: every year about this. You know
1: why? Because
0: it sounds
1: plausible.
0: <laughs> but, but of course, anybody could do this, and it would sound plausible. Um, if if that's the schedule, by the way, they actually would open up the season, at least on paper, and the NFL schedule is impossible to predict. But with the Giants and, and the Lions at home in the first two weeks?
1: Kevin, what's the over-under for wins for the Red Six
0: Okay, in Vegas. Don't forget that. I'm not forgetting that. Okay. And then you have a stretch in November. If they win their first Buffalo, two games. Buffalo, the Niners, the Panthers, the Giants. If,
1: if, if six is, is the over-under and they win their first two games of the season, it's going to be a miserable rest of the season, isn't it?
0: <laughs> well, the toughest portion of this schedule would be Patriots at Philly-Chicago in late September, early October. Then you get a bye, and you got to play Dallas in Minnesota. So
1: the bye is when Jay Gruden gets fired, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we always
0: have looked at that, you know, uh, October bye as... Yeah, they better you know they better not be that's 0-5. When, that's
1: when Rob Ryan takes over as head oh
0: coach, right? God. What a disaster that would be. <laughs> I actually think that the coach on the staff that would take over would be Ray Horton. Just remember I said that. Who was out of football? That. Just remember I said that. Not, oh, I, well, I'll remember you said Bill that. Not Bill Callahan. No, it won't be Callahan. Not, because not Rob Ryan.
1: I, I, I didn't think it would be Ryan. And Callahan seems to have worked his way out of favor at Redskins Park. So, I mean, I, 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 but Horton wasn't even football last year. <laughs> no, a lot of their coaches weren't in
0: football <laughs> last year. A lot of their players were planning on not playing football uh, this coming year. Um, anyway, uh, there's your mock schedule. Again, I'll post it on Twitter uh, later today and um, uh, also put it on the website. Aaron, I'll put it up on the website. Um, before we get to uh, a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about, real quickly you were here Thursday and then the news I think you know from the guy out in Denver and there was some follow-up conversation and there, there's a lot of buzz now even more than there was Josh rose into the Redskins in a trade
1: well Peter King is reporting it now too a lot of people are D- did Peter King report it this morning I, when did he report it I think he reported it a couple of days ago okay i I I, didn't, I don't know that I
0: saw the Peter King thing yeah. but anyway the thing that I had on Friday is that Um, it's, it's definitely, there's legitimate desire on the Redskins part to trade for Josh Rosen, but they do not want to part with number 15 overall, but they would part with a package that would include a second rounder, a third rounder and a later round pick. Um, and I am in favor of that trade. I don't think I am in favor of giving up number 15 for Rosen.
1: Let me ask you a couple of things. What's the better value deal for the Redskins? trading for Josh Rosen, giving up a second, uh, a third, and maybe a later pick, or drafting a quarterback at 15 and not trading away any of those picks. If that
0: quarterback's not Kyler Murray, it's Josh Rosen for that package of picks that doesn't include number one. That's a better value. In in my view, it is. I just don't know. I'm not personally. Cooley's confident about Locke, and he's the one that I do like after Murray. I don't like Haskins. I don't really have a great feel for, for Jones. Greer, there's some interesting things. I like Stidham if they were to take him in the third or fourth. But it would be Rosen. Rosen would be after Murray. The best quarterback, and to get the others, you're going to have to probably use a first round pick. Yes. So if you get Rosen for a package that includes something less than your number 15 overall, it's win win. Okay. You're getting the second best quarterback in this draft, and you're getting him for less. If they do that,
1: does Rosen start
0: the season? Well, this is very interesting, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up with you today. So when I talked to Cooley about this on Friday, and then I had J.P. Finley on the show yesterday, both Cooley and J.P. said, well, there would be a quarterback competition. And I said, if they trade for Josh Rosen, he's he going to start. Yes. They're not trading for Josh Rosen to be in a competition with Colt McCoy and Case no. Keenum. So
1: he, can sit, so he can sit on the bench and learn, and learn how to play quarterback? He went through four years of... Of NFL experience last year in one season with the Cardinals, I
0: just really believe that if they trade for Josh Rosen, I'm not saying it would be a bad deal if they if they got Josh Rosen for the. I'm in favor of it if they trade the second and the third and whatever you know called a a conditional fifth or sixth for Rosen, I'd be totally in favor of that. But but be honest with yourself. Part of the reason that will happen is because the owner wants it. Yes. The organization needs a jolt. It needs a marketing jolt. And we're talking about and, a limited jolt, but it's still a jolt. Oh, it would be the biggest jolt of this offseason. But but it's still a limited jolt. I, I, I think we can definitely d- d- talk about it. Let's, let's not, let's uh, no, not
1: talk I, I, about people flocking you know back to I'll, the, the I'll, stadium. I'll end
0: this conversation right now. I'm with you. I don't think it's like this, this home-run answer that's going to solve all their p- problems, but... For them, right now, after season ticket renewals apparently went very poorly, which was not a hard prediction. Right, um, they need something
1: that they yeah, can market and sell. And I agree, this is what this they is, need. Hope. Yeah, this Landon is, Collins and Case Keenum are not hope. This is this is the thing that that could do that. Plus, from everything I've read about Josh Rosen, I think once they see him at Redskins Park compared to the other two guys, they're going to say. What are you, nuts? We're going to bench this guy? We're, gonna, we're not going to start this guy? Not to mention, he does have
0: star qualities. You know, he's interesting. He's outspoken. He plays with swagger. You know, if they trade for... I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe Cooley said, no, I, I still think it would be a competition. And J.P. Finley now, said you know competition.
1: What? I, bet you, I bet you Jay would think it. I bet you Jay thinks it's a competition. And I bet you he thinks that... Until Rosen's in camp for a week. Oh, I bet you they will tell you that it's a
0: competition, but I'm just telling you that I would put a lot of money on Josh Rosen being the starting quarterback week one when they go to the Meadowlands to face the Giants. If, if they in trade week for one, him, yeah, you know we just gave you the schedule. That's right. Um, and and I would I be agree. I would be shocked unless he w- he were injured and he couldn't participate and he was banged up or whatever. I would be shocked. If he weren't, he's the starting already quarterback. he's
1: already had his year of
0: apprenticeship for Case Keenum or, or Colt McCoy. I mean, there. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. And that but means one of those they, guys. Is... They have a middling quarterback right now, and if they trade for another middling quarterback, if he if he's only just a a middling quarterback, at least he's the middling quarterback you're not sure is middling yet.
1: Yes. So
0: that's what they would be trying to sell you.
1: Yeah, they'd be trying to sell you on the uncertainty of hope. Now. We,
0: I, we also had the conversation just about how Jay lets, you know, his honesty, his yeah. brutal honesty seep through. We saw it the year with RG3 when he basically said... Ah, uh, we're gonna have to win some thirteen to ten games and get some special teams and defensive touchdowns. That was the most alarming statement of all time when early in that 2014 season, Gruden said that, and you're like, "Wow, he hates him." And then later on, we found out how much he really did hate him. And then, of course, he got silenced the following year when he talked about a competition. Yes. Um. And but you know, if Rosen came into camp and really wasn't any good, and 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 Gruden knew it. Gruden might go to that group this time and say, we can't win with this guy. and But this time they'll say, and this is why they've got to include Gruden in on the evaluation, because they shouldn't make the trade unless they're trading for him to start. I agree. Not. I mean, you can see, look, you could make the case they're trading for the future, all right? But you've got Case Keenum and Colt
1: McCoy there. I mean, what kind of future? I mean, you have two backups and the guy who you think is going to be your starter. (laughs) Why not make him the starter? Exactly. I agree. So, I think think if you trade for him, he's got to start. and, And I bet Gruden
0: would be involved. I think he's on the quarterback thing this year. I think he was involved in looking at Case Keenum tape. I think he would be involved in looking at Josh Rosen and telling them yes. And if he says yes, you know, we can develop him and he looks, you know, good and then he better get him ready for the opener because yeah. i i can only imagine the conversation when gruden comes to dan and bruce in you know mid august you know and says josh ain't ready yet No, well, we got to go with case <laughs> that would not be a pleasant conversation no. um but uh i i think it's going to happen i think they're going to end up trading for josh rosen now and, unless i mentioned this to jp yesterday unless New England or the Chargers are the two teams in particular that might say he's our quarterback of the future and we're gonna take a uh we're gonna take number thirty two overall and trade it to, to Arizona.
1: That may be. That may happen. Uh and, and the Giants just may be nuts enough to do something. Not with number six. Probably not. Not number six. I can't imagine
0: they're gonna trade number six for Rosen. I I think I do think But they can give you a better second round pick. I do think that most people would have Rosen
1: as the second best quarterback in this draft. That's what I keep hearing. I wouldn't know because I don't evaluate quarterbacks as well as you got you doing, and, and others <sighs> like it. you. Stop.
2: Kevin, you say, you say you're fine with like a two, three, and a later this year. What if they're demanding multiple twos? Are you still good with it?
0: Well, that's that makes it more pricey because once you get to the multiple twos, and then you throw in a three and something later, now you're getting to an equation that almost equals number fifteen. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be at 15, but a two, three and call it a five now is like sixty, fifty-five 55 or 60% of the value of 15. It's a subjective thing. I'm going off the draft, you know, one of those draft value charts, but if you throw in another two now, now you're getting closer to equaling a 15. But the answer to the question is, I think I would still consider it. Yes. If it were two twos. Depends on how much you like them. It would have to be obviously the 2022 because they only have.
2: Right. That's yeah. what that's what I mean, to the yeah. cross multiple years. They have
0: forty six and ninety six, which are the two third rounders, right?
2: No. because they have the comp third, right?
0: Yeah, they got the, they have they have yeah, they have fifteen and forty six. They're first and second, and then they've got two thirds, seventy six and ninety six overall.
1: Now, uh before we wrap this up about Rosen, uh, I'm required to read the perfunctory uh, you know, uh basically statement, declaration that <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. like the Surgeon General's warning. Right. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Right. It doesn't matter who coaches the Washington Redskins. They're not going to be good. <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right. Very. Well said. A quick moment uh, for Scentbird. Scentbird is a luxury fragrance subscription service. It's a way to discover new colognes or perfumes without having to buy the entire bottle. Perfume and cologne, if you're buying perfume for your girlfriend or your wife or you're getting cologne for yourself, it's expensive, very expensive buying bottles. And Scentbird allows you to basically get 30-day supplies of the cologne or the perfume until you're sure that it's what you want. Uh, right now, Scentbird makes it easy. They've got 450 designer brands for you to choose from. Tom Ford, Kenneth Cole, Burberry, Prada, Gucci, and more. You choose the cologne you want to try. They send you a 30-day supply. Uh, and if you're not sure up front what you're looking for, you can very easily sort the colognes and perfumes by brand, by occasion, by season, by style, and more. And you can check out user ratings and reviews on any fragrance. Scentbird actually has a quiz you can take that will discover more personalized recommendations. Here's the offer right now for my listeners only. Get 50% off your first month today. That's 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first perfume or cologne. Go to scentbird.com slash K S D C use my code K S D C for 50% off your first month. That's scentbird S C E N T bird.com slash K S D C for you to try your first cologne or perfume for just $7 and 50 cents sign on smell amazing.
1: That makes it so much easier to smell good. It does to do it that way. And listen, guys, I got to tell you, you don't want to be the guy at work who the women talk about in the ladies' room and say, did you smell that guy today? You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be wanna that wanna guy. You want to be the guy who's who they say, wow, didn't that guy smell good today? That's the guy you want to be. Well, there's an endorsement. Nice
0: job, Tommy. Very good endorsement. Of I'm Scentbird. speaking from the heart. I know you are. Uh, I wanted to talk real quickly about Aaron Rodgers, and then I don't know if you have anything on the Nats and their bullpen, but it's ugly so far. It's it's not it, it's, it's it's early. It's, get, it's getting late early. It's getting, as, as as Yogi once said, yes. Um, th- this Aaron Rodgers story, you know, started for those that don't know about it, started last week with a Bleacher Report story that basically shredded. Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers as an aloof, arrogant non-leader and, as Mac- and McCarthy as a bumbling, stumbling idiot of a coach who Aaron Rodgers mocked and thought that basically McCarthy had cost him Super Bowls over the years because he was so incompetent. Well, yesterday, Aaron Rodgers went on uh, a radio show in Milwaukee and basically went off Defending Mike McCarthy. First of all, he called this story a smear attack on him and McCarthy by a writer who was trying to advance his career. You always hear that in these yeah, situations, of course. and and bitter and irrelevant players from Packers past. Um, Rogers went out of his way, and, and I, I've read some of the quotes, but apparently, you have to listen to this interview to to get the tone. He was so passionate in his defense of Mike McCarthy. And said he and Mike were close, and that that Mike McCarthy is responsible in many ways for the success that he's had. Um, He said the beauty of our relationship was that it grew year after year. We learned how to communicate with each other. We had beauty in our on field relationship, a ton of trust. And he said, when I read what I read last week, that I disrespect him by changing all these plays, that I had a lot of latitude um, it, in, in a way that made Mike, you know, uh, appear to be irrelevant. He said, you know, I called two minute offense, like a lot of quarterbacks do. I'd call stretches of no huddle offense. A lot of times he'd send two plays in and say, do you like that? What do you want? It was a relationship that grew and the trust level was very high. Um, I think there's too much smoke around Aaron oh, Rodgers over the years, uh, let, with let, the family and the whole thing. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I
1: mean, first of all, I know most people want to believe this, and I don't know the reporter from Adam, and I don't have a real high opinion of Bleacher Report one way or the other. That said, nobody goes to carve out their career by writing a phony story of this magnitude. There's truth in this well, story. Well, but you
0: can take people who are willing to, to 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 you know really go after these guys that were close to the situation, players, and the players could have had an agenda as well. Well,
1: yeah, but but and, I and want the reporter may out, not know. Uh, we ju- we just went through this. This was Bleacher Report. I know that we went through this a couple weeks ago. You used to mock with, Bleacher Report. I know. Well, that was because when it was run by fans, when fans used to write for. It. Now they have, they've hired legitimate writers. Okay. Mike, Mike Freeman writes for Bleacher Report. Okay. I mean, you may not like him, but but he's he's a legitimate journalist. He's mm-hmm. worked for the New York Times. And, and I'm not a big fan of Bleacher Report, but that was the difference between then and now. You're Big fan of Freeman. We had it. I I like Mike. Okay. Okay. Uh, a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, we had this situation in Philly. With Carson Wentz, a a reporter I know in Philly who writes for the Philly Voice, a website, detailed this story pretty much like this in a way that Carson Wentz was not well liked in in, in the locker room, that the coaches weren't crazy about him, that he wasn't a great leader. And, you know, that, that writer caught a lot of flack. And then two weeks later, maybe about two weeks later, Carson Wentz pretty much came out and said, well, you know, maybe I need to change some things. He didn't necessarily validate what the story said, but he did. You're right by by saying that, and and more times than not, you're gonna have a situation like that here. Aaron Rodgers may just be a real loose cannon, but uh, you know it's hard. It's hard for me to criticize Aaron Rodgers because he went out with Olivia Munn. <laughs> You know, I mean, come on. Well, you like Danica Patrick too, don't you, or that's, not? I like I I like Danica Patrick as a as a, as a racer. Yeah, not necessarily as a babe compared to Olivia Munn. That that's 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 high stratosphere. But she
0: appears to be nuts too.
1: Well, but still, I mean, I it, so it's hard for me to get too worked up and angry about Aaron Rodgers because he 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 had enough to hang with Olivia Munn. He can't be that crazy in the
0: last month or two. We've had Ben. Wentz and Rodgers yes and all three of them are elite quarterbacks yeah two you know, of I, them are going in the hall of fame yeah and and Wentz I think everybody recognizes the talent last year was a rough year coming off the the injury from the year before and he ended up injured again um it may just be the nature of the position yes it may a, be a position that is given more responsibility um than any position on the team tends to have uh, more autonomy than any position on the team is a position that's looked at as you gotta lead, you gotta be a, a leader more times than not, vocal and otherwise. And
1: you're usually the face of the franchise. And you know, maybe if you you know
0: talk to a half dozen to a dozen players on every team, you'd find guys
1: that hate the quarterback. Well that look we saw it here in Washington. I'm not saying they hated him, but we saw it here in Washington. Everybody with, knows about it that Joe Theismann, there weren't weren't a lot of fans right. of Joe uh personally in that Redskins clubhouse but they, but they swore by him on Sundays they respected his leadership they respected his talent and and yeah it may be you're going to get a volatile egotistical personality more often than not more
0: often than not in a quarterback it's what, position. It's probably what some level of self-absorption is yes. what's made
1: them great. Yeah. So you're right. It may just be the nature of the position. It reminds me the movie North Dallas 40 where uh, Mac Davis Ma- plays yeah. the quarterback and Nick Nolte plays you know, like the Pete Jen character and the, they're the, the wide receiver. Yeah, right. They're buddies. But at the end, when Nick Nolte's kicked off the team, he's, he's telling, you know, Matt, uh, Mac Davis and, And, uh, Mac Davis already knew he was being kicked off. And, and Nick Nolte says to him, you know, everything, don't you? And he said, that I do. And no, it's like the quarterback is a different figure, even with his friends. And this guy was his good friend and he knew what was going to happen to his friend and didn't tell him. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean this, and you know, again, I think Mark Murphy, who's president of the Packers is a smart guy. I mean, I've I've talked to him a number of times and I just can't believe that he would be he would uh, preside over this chaos or maybe he was trying to stop the chaos. Oh,
0: we know. Uh, Who knows? By the way, the um, the Nolte character in North Dallas 40, what receiver did he resemble more than any other? There was a receiver in the NFL at the Fred time. Fred Absolutely. Yes. He was Fred Bolitnikoff. <laughs> yes. I mean, he I think he may have even had Bolitnikoff's number twenty five number. Um, but he was Fred Bolitnikoff with the with the you know hands and the stick'em and yeah. the whole thing. God remember stick'em? Remember Lester Hayes? Oh yeah. Just the stick'em coming oh, off. My oh god. god. Um Yeah, I I mean I think there's probably a lot to it. I, the, the you know right now by the way you know who's really looking bad is antonio brown he can't keep his mouth shut nah. um and uh, you know oakland deserves what they they get with him I, that that's one of those things where if, if gruden had this incredible respect and relationship he should be in antonio brown's face right now saying if you don't get off social media and keep your mouth shut I, it's too late. They've already yeah, paid him. They've already but What but got to do to him. I was listening to Ryan Clark this morning, uh, ESPN's Ryan Clark, who was ESPN's Ryan Clark when he was playing for the Redskins. Yes. <laughs> Um, and he really went after AB. He said, There's been, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. He's been, there's been, you know, a feeling that many of us have had, and we're, we're, we've been trying not to submarine him publicly about the kind of person that he was. And his talent's unmistakable, and his production's unmistakable. But you're starting to see the AB that a lot of us knew. You know, a guy that just is going to be a
1: problem and is going to be insecure and disruptive wherever he goes. How frightened do you think Derek Carr is about going into the season with that guy? I mean, again, he'll probably love him and he'll probably hate him. But I'm thinking more times than not, he's going to make Derek Carr's life miserable. I think there's so much pressure on, on Derek Carr this year.
0: That's a team that all of a sudden, you know, you look at that team and you think, he's got Antonio Brown on that team. You know he he's got uh, Terrell Williams they, they signed as, as a free
1: agent. Well, how many draft they, picks do they have in this draft? Right. That I mean they they've got like like five of the top one hundred picks I think. Yeah, I mean he better th- this team better be in contention for the playoffs late in the season. It better yeah, be. look they they want to be able to make a big splash when they go into Vegas. They don't want to limp into Vegas as a rebuilding team.
0: The whole A.B. thing, though, it really is a, it's an interesting debate among NFL fans because you can say on one hand, who cares? The guy's the greatest receiver in the game. He changes the game. He makes it easier for your quarterback. He wins games. But at the same time, he nobody qu- like him has won it all. He quit on his team. He quit on his team in Week 17 yeah. last year. Yeah. Quit on his team. Yeah, that, Somebody else said that this morning that they couldn't get through – uh it was Matt Hasselbeck. Matt Hasselbeck actually said he said look you you love a guy like that and you hate him at the same time but ultimately when he quit on your team you never as a competitive athlete can get past that. No, I don't think Can how. never get past that that he actually walked out on your team. You can't trust in the most him on important the field. Game.
1: You can't trust him on the field anymore. He is great though.
0: Yeah. Um He's been great. Do you have anything on the Nats? They lost uh again, They lost yesterday.
1: again. They the uh, bullpen cost them. Look it, they need to fix this bullpen y- yesterday, and they need to send Trevor Rosenthal down, and and give him an assignment where he needs to figure this out someplace other than a major league field. They 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 can't. They he's not going to figure this out in non-pressure. situations. He didn't pitch yesterday, did he? Well, no, he didn't. Yeah. Because they're afraid to put him in.
0: <laughs> uh, particularly when there's well, a if game they're at afraid state. to put him in, then they got to get him. You know, well that's that, but there. they are
1: basically their strategy is. We're going to get him in non-pressure situations. In other words, when they have a big lead or when they're down big. Right. And I, I don't think that's going to help him. I think he needs to get away from the major league spotlight and go work in Harrisburg or go down to Florida to the Gulf Coast League and get some work in to get this right. It's not a physical thing. It's, it's almost like the yips in a way. I mean, he can literally. But can't. you know what? I, I but told he, you know what? And, and that's he not. He some good pitches. He got squeezed a couple. He got of times. squeezed in that that's, game that's uh,
0: against the um, the game that I mentioned last week. I forget if it was, if it was the against the Phillies or the Mets. Maybe in the, the the Met game. He had a couple of really difficult calls that he didn't yeah. get. That he ended so, up walking. Yeah, guys. so he
1: got he got squeezed too. So he's not that far off. But they can't afford to fix it here, and they have to fix it. You saw they brought Joe Ross. Yeah, all the way from from Fresno well, who's, already. Who, shouldn't we be at the point
0: now, without a day off, that we're going to get the fifth starter here in the next not, few days? Not yet. I don't think we have not had the fifth starter. You, Whoever it not, is, who is it? Helix or Helix? Okay.
1: And they've used him in relief already, uh, but uh, you won't probably won't see Helix until the end of the month. I don't think they need a fifth starter until then. Nope.
0: Here it is. They're, we're going to see him on Wednesday night. Oh, right okay. now, he's scheduled to start uh, on Wednesday night because. This is the first stretch where they haven't had a night off. Right,
1: right. Uh, there's talk
0: about Bud. There's Norris talk coming about in.
1: Bud Norris, a relief pitcher who's unsigned, coming in. But it's also with a caveat that the learners are determined to stay under the luxury cap uh, penalty.
0: I know you think that these games are important. You know, um, to the season. You know, because starting with all these division, division games. games. Yeah, I, I understand that. I don't know. They're, they are. They're, they're four and five, and they've got two more here against Philadelphia, and then they're going to get, what, the Pirates, I think. And but these Giants are
1: the very – like you're not going to win a wild card in the National League East. you got to win the division. It so, And these are the teams it's that are going to be fighting that. to win. No, it's not too early It to is say too that. early to Listen, say that. I can say. I can – I just well, said you, it. Well,
0: yes, yeah, it's not too early to say it. It's
1: too early to believe it. Well – I can say it, and I can <laughs> believe it, and it's not too early to do either what one. What did you think of my mock schedule? <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was very impressive. I got a bit of news for you. What? Thursday night, May the sixteenth, six to eight p.m. The fifth annual Cigars and Curveballs fundraiser for the DC Grays. I'll be hosting that. The DC at Grays Shelly's? at Shelley's. The Grays are the nonprofit organization in Washington that I'm part of that uh, helps create baseball opportunities for inner-city kids. We run camps and clinics for kids throughout the city where we supply all the equipment, all the coaches. We help run baseball's RBI program, which is their youth uh, baseball program. We sponsor 15 boys' Little League teams and 9 girls' softball teams. We pay for their coaches, all their equipment, everything. We pay for all that, and that's all through nonprofit fundraising. And we also have the collegiate baseball team that we sponsor, the Grays, who play in the Cal Ripken Summer League at the Nats Youth Academy. They played their home games. This is the fifth year I'll be doing it. You've been to it before. It's yep. a lot of fun. I'm,
0: I missed it last year. I'll be there this year.
1: Andy Pollen has been, and Andy comes and smokes a cigar. Yeah. Which is which is pretty remarkable. Doc Walker has been there before. Mike Rizzo has been there in, right. in, in the past. It's a $75 donation, uh, cash or check, no credit cards, goes to a worthy cause. You get three cigars, uh, cash bar, free appetizers, and a lot of, uh, brotherhood, and yeah, a lot of uh, brotherhood and camaraderie.
0: Yeah, a lot of fun conversation. And there's an au- live and there's auction. A, and there's a live auction. Of, of,
1: of tickets and sports yeah, memorabilia. Exactly,
0: that you always are able to compile for La- that.
1: Last year, Joe Theismann generously donated an autographed football. It yeah. was
2: great. So all righty um wait wait wait, wait. before before we wrap up we do have breaking news related to something we talked about earlier ucla is apparently uh zeroing in on mick cronin
0: okay because virginia tech who did they hired somebody i remember cronin was going to go to virginia tech and virginia tech just who's the coach they just got why am i blanking was not a big name coach that they just... Uh, uh, Wofford's.
2: Wofford's Yeah, Mike Wofford's coach. It, it's a good It's a good coach, but definitely yeah. lower profile.
0: Mick Cronin can coach. He's a good coach and has been for a while now. Um, But, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to excite UCLA people. No. They don't get, get excited it, it, it by a It seems a lot.
2: like Alford over again.
1: Uh, when are you on radio next? I'm on radio Wednesday from 4 to 6 with Chad Dukes. I'm on 106.7 a fan. And don't forget, I do the show with Andy Polen. I'm 1067 a fan. Every Saturday and Sunday morning. I always say Saturday morning cartoons, Sunday morning sermon. <laughs>
0: hey, Saturday morning cartoons, <laughs> Sunday morning church. All right. Uh thanks to Aaron. Uh thanks to Tommy. Um tomorrow we'll do we'll start to do some some caps talk to get ready for uh, their series against Carolina. We're going to really start getting into the draft in a lot of detail here, too, with guests and discussion of position groups, et cetera, um, over the next uh, two weeks as well. You'll be here on Thursday, so we'll be able to you know, make our caps and predictions. Right, because predictions I'll
1: be at the caps game Thursday night, too. Awesome.
0: All right. Uh, thanks. Have a great day, everybody.